0: I'm really excited about today. This is week seven of Arise. And if you've been taking this Arise journey with us, um, this is a significant day because this is the day where I'm going to tell you where we're currently at. And so we took on this. Are you excited? Do you want to know? Right? I've so far made all the services promise not to tell you. So if if they told you, they're going to hell. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, um, but um, but this is where we talk about that, and 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 I can tell you we're in a good place, and I, I'm ready to share it with you where we're at. It's going to be awesome. Uh, God is definitely moving, um, but but I want to celebrate some other things too because, um, like for instance. Uh, we have set a record um, as far as how many life groups we have and how many people are active in those life groups during Arise. And for me, that's huge because we grow and are changed and transformed through relationships. And you can't do life alone. And so people being involved in life groups, we set a record with over 400 adults, not counting our youth, our youth life groups, student life groups, or kids life groups, but 400 adults active in life groups. That's huge, guys. That is amazing. That is amazing. And, and then also, uh, this is kind of cool. I think they told me f- uh, 32 families have given for the first time through Pathway to the kingdom of God in like the last six weeks. 32 families <laughs> trusting God. And there's just, I mean, people have been saved. There's just, I mean, there's all types. So I want to brag on you for, for, you know, our goal was 100% participation. We just wanted people to walk through the process of discipleship. We just wanted people hearing from God, joining a life group, trusting God. And you guys have done that. And I cannot tell you how proud I am of you. And not only that, how excited I am to see what God is going to do through you and in your lives and it's just huge. And so I'm going to share where we're at, but I'm going to do it at the end. OK. And so, yeah, because once I do that, the service is over anyway. And um, but we have we're, we're doing this big undertaking where we said, hey, it's not about us. And we've talked about stepping into our moment, trusting God like never before, surrendering everything to him, becoming a way maker and saying, hey, what we have right now is good for us. But there are more people that need what we have. There are more people that need to be here. There are more people that need the encounter with God that I had, the transformation that I've gone through. And so we are making a way, not only for us, for generations behind us. And so we've talked about that. Uh, last weekend, we talked about covenant confidence. And I hope you'll listen. All these messages, again, on iTunes, YouTube, watch it through the webpage, watch them through the app, listen to them. I hope you'll take the journey if you haven't. Most of you have taken the journey with us. By the way, all the Life Group curriculum, if you want to go back through any of that, it's all available mypathway.church forward slash arise. It's all there for you. Um, And so God is doing some amazing things. In fact, we got a testimony this week from a family and they've given us several testimonies. Like God is just rocking their boat. And and I love that because that's what I want for everybody. But but this weekend they they sent in this testimony like God's done it again. That's, that, like the, the title of the the emails start getting funny at this point for them as they're emailing them in and we're just celebrating with them. But but the, the wife needed some dental work done and they really couldn't afford it. It's very expensive uh, dental work. They couldn't really afford it. I think it's like fifty thousand dollars something like that. I mean it's it just crazy amount. And uh, but they had already made their commitment and they they had stepped up big in their commitment. And they, God's already done amazing things. Uh, But then they sent this in. They said, hey, we just found out that we're going to be receiving this money that's going to pay for the dental work. And so, like, you you can't make that stuff up. That's awesome. And that's what I want for for everyone, just to have your own story of faith. And and if you're, you know, if you're not careful, you might think this whole thing is about trying to build a building. And, And we need one. But this whole thing is about building a movement of people who believe and trust in God like never before. Faith is what transforms us. And quite frankly, our faith is what will change the world. And so this is an opportunity to trust and surrender and step out into faith like never before. And so, um, so anyways, I'm going to share more about where we're at at the end. But I, I just think every time we meet, we need to open the word of God. It's just a big deal to me. I'm kind of old-fashioned. And, and so I know I'm young, and I look very hip and, and look good, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, but I'm a little old-fashioned, and I just think, man, we got to have the word of God. It is our breath. It is our food, right? It is like, it is like water to our soul, and uh, I think we have to have it. And so um, when I was preparing the messages, um, there was this verse that stuck out, not because it was really an intriguing verse. It's very matter-of-fact. But it stuck out to me. Uh, and, and then um, when I was speaking a couple weeks ago on the power of surrender from Genesis 22, we have been studying the life of Abraham, and I was talking about when Abraham took Isaac to, to sacrifice him. And I made a comment in, in kind of passing. In fact, I was turning and made a comment, and we were in our life group processing it and just talking and sharing. And Julie actually said, she said, I thought one of the most amazing things you said was kind of in passing. You didn't really develop it. You didn't repeat it, but it was incredible. And what I said was obedience unlocks inheritance. Obedience. It was in my notes, but a lot of times I'm trying to watch the clock and, and, and get, us to the, you know, get us through to the next service. And so I, you know, I can't say everything that's on my heart to say because you can't stay here that long. Right. I found the heart can only absorb what the seat can endure. Amen. And so you can't stay that long. And so I can't say everything. But but she said that and I thought, that's right, man. It's in my notes. That is a great, great takeaway. And, and so I thought, you know what? That goes with the scripture that jumped out at me. And really, that's what I think the Holy Spirit wants me to speak to you today. Um, it's in Genesis chapter 22. Uh, this is after Abram or Abraham has gone up on the mountain and, and God said, I want you to offer Isaac. Now, I want you to think about the surrender and the obedience that he had to walk in because God not only said, I want you to do the hardest thing I've ever asked you to do, but he didn't even tell him where to do it. He said, you'll have to, you'll have to search with me to even find the place to do the thing that you don't want to do that I've asked you to do. Like God said, I'm not even going to make it plain. I'm going to ask you to do something hard, and then I'm going to ask you to get so close to me and search to find the place. You talk about surrender. You talk about being committed to do the will of God. That's incredible to me. And And so now this is where Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac's probably 18 to 30 years old. And the angel stops him, the angel of the Lord, that's probably a Christophany, minion, it's probably Jesus. In the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord stops him and says, now I know, you know that, that you're gonna do everything. And, and, then, and then there's a ram caught in the thicket and that becomes the sacrifice. And then God kind of reaffirms some things. Genesis 22:15 15, it says, then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me, And not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I'll multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and like the sand on the seashore. And your descendants, and we talked about this because to me this is huge. Your descendants will conquer the gates of their enemies or the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And this was a phrase that stuck out to me. All because you obeyed me. Like God says, and, and he says this, he says, I swear by my own name. Like you cannot get any more intense than that with God. Right? I mean, this takes us to Hebrews where we talked about last week where God has given us a promise and he's given us an oath. In other words, he's made us a promise and then he's sworn by his own name. And he, the writer of Hebrews says, when he could swear by no one higher because he was God, he swore by his own name. In other words, you can't, God can make you a promise and that's amazing. But when God stands there and says, I swear by who I am that I will do this thing or I am not God. Like you have done your part and now I swear by who I am that I will do my part. You can't get more intense than that with God. You see what I'm saying? And so, and so I'm reading that and then I see this phrase. And all of this is just simply because you obeyed me. All because, all because you obeyed me. Obedience unlocks inheritance. Obedience, obedience is, our obedience is what enables God to do what he wants to do. And and this is what I felt like God wanted me to tell you. Like if you, if you're about to go to sleep until the end, then write this down before you go to sleep. All right, write this down. Come on in. Essentially, write this down. Are you ready? When you do what God has told you to do, you should live in expectation that He will do everything He promised. When you do what God has told you to do, it is not entitlement, presumption arrogance to stand and live with a heightened expectation that he will do everything that he said he would do. And so this is why God's saying, if you've done your part, I am swearing by my name, I will do my part. And so I want you to know as a church who has been walking in obedience and trusting God and stepping out as never before, this is what I think the Holy Spirit's saying. Hey, if you are walking in obedience, it's not just hope I'll do my part, but I want you to wake up every day in expectation that I'm just about to do what I said I was going to do. I swear by who I am that if you'll do your part, I will always do my part. We sang that, that that Waymaker song. It's got me wanting to preach. I'm just about to have church. Somebody better find me a Hammond B3 organ. Because you don't know about church so you've had it with a Hammond B3 organ. Come on now. So I want to tell you just a few things about this, about obedience and walking in obedience and the blessing we can expect. I call this the blessing of obedience. Uh, here's the first thing that, that, that I think needs to be said. These are pretty obvious, but I think they need to be said. Uh, number one is obedience requires faith. Obedience requires faith. Hebrews 11.8 thir- uh, says that it was, watch this, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed. By faith that Abraham obeyed. Um, You need to understand that obedience necessitates faith. It was by faith. Listen, if obedience were easy, we wouldn't need faith to do it. Let's look at Abraham, for example. See, the reason this gets, the reason it requires faith is because to walk in obedience, right? To walk in obedience, um, it means that I have to trust in what God knows beyond what I understand. I had to trust in what God knows above what I can can fathom at the moment, what makes sense to me, what I see. Because here's God. God says, he's looking this way, and he's like, man, I want to bless Abraham, multiply, I want to reaffirm, I want his descendants to always win. I want to reveal myself as Jehovah Jireh. I want to reveal myself in a way that he's never seen me before. So this is what God's looking at. This is what I want to do in and through Abraham. This is what I want Abraham to see. This is what I want Abraham to know. But but Abraham gets this message. Abraham, I want you to take your one and only son that I gave you to a place that I'm going to show you and kill him. You see what I'm saying? Like if God were to show us and say, on this date at this time, I'm going to do this thing. It'd be very easy just to say, but right now I want you to do this. It'd be very easy to walk in obedience. But when we walk in obedience, we're trusting in what he knows above what we understand. Right? You're, listen, if you're going to live for God, you're never going to get out of faith. He's going to keep you in faith. Right? Because the kingdom of God is always now and not yet. There's a principle in scripture. If you go to Bible school, they'll teach it to you. But the principle is always faith is now and not yet. The kingdom is now and not yet. What God is doing is now and not yet. And there is always this tension whereby because God says without faith it's impossible to please God or the word of God says that, then God's like, I'm going to help you stay in faith so you can live the life that I've called you to because I'm a rewarder of those who trust in me. I want to reward you so you got to walk in faith. So I have to keep you in attention. And sometimes the way I do that is to ask you to do things that don't make sense to you because I know what I'm trying to do in and through your life. You see what I'm saying? And so Abraham's over here like, and I can just tell you, I'd have failed this faith test, right? If God said, I want you to take your one and only son and I want you to kill him, I would have been like, hmm. And like a week later, you know, the Bible says Abraham got up the next morning. For me, it had been a week later, god had been like, hey. And I'd be doing one of those, see what had happened was. Um, <laughs> The donkey had a flat, and the donkey flat repair store wasn't open. And then by the time I got it fixed, Sarah wanted me to paint the house. You know how they are. You know what I mean? I'd have been doing one of those stories, right? Yeah. Abraham got up the next morning. He got up the next morning. See, you need to understand with God, faith and obedience, faith and obedience, listen to me, are synonymous. Let me prove it to you. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 18 It says this, and to whom did God swear that they would not enter his rest? So God's about to tell us why Israel did not go into the promised land. And so what does it say? It says, but those who were disobedient. So why didn't they go into the promised land? They were disobedient. Now let's read verse 19. So we see they were unable to enter because of, now what does it say? Unbelief. Now verse 18 said they didn't go in because they were disobedient. Verse 19 says, we see they didn't go in because they didn't believe. Which one is right? Yes. Because with God, faith and obedience are synonymous. Let me help you with this. You cannot walk in faith if you are not walking in obedience. So you guys say, well, I'm, I'm reliving a life of faith if you're not walking in obedience to what God called you to do. Because with God, if we're walking in faith, we are walking in obedience, and God will bring us to a place of walking in places we don't like, searching for things we don't want to find, looking for something we don't understand, or trusting him when we don't know. We call it faith, he calls it obedience. And that's what I love because that's what our church is doing right now. Like like I asked our stewardship department, I said, hey, I want some testimonies. Give me some stories of how people are stepping out in faith. And so they gave me this one story of a a young couple in our church, newly married, having been married a year or two maybe, um, new baby, he's currently unemployed. Their arise commitment was to empty their savings. They said, this is what God's asked us to do, give all of our savings. Now, does that make sense to you? New family, new baby, unemployed, empty savings. Like the reason some of you aren't saying amen right now is you're scared to death. God might ask you to do the same thing. <laughs> can, we just, can we just be honest? Let's just keep it real. Like I'm not saying amen. That's a dumb idea. I don't know what that boy thinking. Boy, crazy, right? <laughs> and then they gave me some other stories. Um, like this family... Um, Last year, their giving to the Kingdom of God through Pathway was two hundred dollars. We celebrate that emerging giver. Praise God for trusting Him. Their commitment to arise twenty four thousand dollars. You think that doesn't take faith? You think you know something like that's not easy? That isn't easy to do. That, that probably doesn't make sense. You see, like another family. Uh, They're they're giving last year to the kingdom of God through Pathway, $100. We praise God. We celebrate that. It's awesome. Emerging giver. Their commitment to Arise, $13,000. That's huge. That's trusting God like never before. Like Here's another family. They're giving to the kingdom of God through Pathway last year, $18,000. That's huge. I mean, that's already trusting God. That's probably a tithe giver, to be honest. Or maybe even just an extravagant giver above that. You know what their commitment to Arise was? $100,000. Do you think that's easy? No, it's not. Can I just tell you? And, and we have even, I mean, we have larger amounts and we have smaller amounts. I just kind of picked some in, in the middle. I said, give me some good testimonies kind of in the middle of where we're at. And here's the thing I want you to understand giving a big amount takes faith, but sometimes it takes more faith to give $3,000. Right? You remember the widow's mite? Yes, yes. When you got one mite and you're going to give one mite, that takes a lot of faith. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. And so this is what I love is that our church is listening to the Holy Spirit and we're stepping out in faith, uncharted water, not always knowing how it's going to turn out and trusting God. And here's what God is saying. When you do what I've asked you to do, you can expect everything I've promised. Obedience requires faith. Here, here's the same thing. Obedience has two parts. It has two parts. Here's, here is um, what stuck out to me about this scripture. Because I, I, re- I was reading is my devotional Bible, so my devotional Bible, I read, I'm old school, so I want to smell the pages. I don't, you know, like I have digital Bibles and stuff, but they're not as anointed to me. Like when, I, when you get those little thin pages and you hear that, like that, I feel the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm just I'm old school. You just have to understand. I know I look young and hip. I'm old school. I got it. But but my my devotional Bible is a uh, new living translation. That's just the one I like to read in my devotion currently, right? Now I was raised King James, a new King James. So if I start quoting scripture, it's probably going to come out King James. I move it into New King James, but I can still thee and thou and shall I, with the best of them. You understand what I'm saying? But but um, the 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 Little Living Translation is easier to read because it's a dynamic equivalency, meaning it's kind of thought for thought, whereas like a King James, New King James, that's a that's a uh, exact equivalency. In other words, it kind of goes word for word. But but I was reading, and so this like all because he obeyed in verse 18 jumped out, and I thought okay, God, I want to know what obey means. Like, I know what I think it means, but I also know the Bible is written in Hebrew. Hebrew is more expressive, right? And and so I thought, well, I, I want to, or the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. I, I want to know what it looks. So, so I started looking it up. And then also I noticed in verse 16 was this other word, obey, and so there's, oh, 16 says, you know, because you obeyed. And then verse 18 says, all because you obeyed. I mean, you can see it right here. Because you've obeyed me, verse 16. And then verse 18 says, all of this, I'm going to do all this because you obeyed. So I look it up in verse 18, and in verse 18, it's, it's, the, um, it's the Hebrew word shema, shema. And, and I was thinking, well, it says all because you obeyed. To me, I'm thinking all because you did what I asked you to do. Right? Makes sense, right? Like if you tell your kids, go clean your room, you expect them to clean their room, right? And we call that obedience. But the word Shema doesn't mean that. It means to listen, to hear, to give attention to. Like Abraham to me gives us the first part of obedience, the key to obedience, is if I'm going to walk in obedience to God, I have to be attentive enough to hear what he has to say. See, when I looked at the word in verse 16, it's a saw. A saw means to do, to carry out an action. What I thought it, obedience would mean, right? But to me, these are the two parts of obedience, attentiveness to hear and willingness to do. Attentiveness to hear and willingness to do. And, and when it comes to attentiveness to hear, I thought about this, Abraham, you know, the Bible only says that God had to say it one time, right? Because if you're a parent you probably run into this thing called selective hearing. Right? And and it's like, I'm saying it. Why are you not hearing me? Like sometimes wives have this problem with their husbands. (laughs) Don't elbow him right now. Right? And and here's what I see is that God just one time had to tell Abraham to do the hardest thing he'd ever asked him to do. And Abraham, listen, he was so attuned and attentive to God that when God spoke, he heard. See, most of us, we, we want God to scream at us. Isn't that true? I, I want him just to scream, make it plain. Well, he ran a billboard for me and just put on there what I'm supposed to do. And here's my thing. Do your kids want you to scream at them? Because he's a dad. And I think what you understand is that dad wants us so attentive to what he has to say that he doesn't have to scream, he just has to whisper. In our life group, we had a discussion, uh, something I was talking to them about. I said some of the greatest breakthroughs I've seen were not when, when God spoke with great fanfare, but rather when God just simply nudged me. In fact, when you study the Old Testament, there's so many Messianic promises and Messianic scriptures in the Old Testament but you know what's interesting? They, no, none of them come with fanfare. They're buried. Like if Isaiah's prophesying and he makes some, some messianic prophecies and promises, when he's prophesying, he doesn't get to this place and say, "Stop!" and then say, "Hear ye, hear ye!" Bum, 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 bum! I'm about to talk about the Messiah. He's just prophesying and talks about him, and it's almost buried in there. In fact, you almost have to know what you're looking for to find it. Right? It's like it was just this little nudge. And, and in our church, can I tell you? Like, um, we had we had a service one time. No big fanfare, no big hoorah. I'm just sitting there closing the service. And I said, Hey, I feel like there's a lady here sh- struggling with gastrointestinal issues, and God wants to heal you. Prayed for. Her. Didn't know who she was. The next week, she showed up. She said, Hey, I need to tell you that was me. I've struggled with this for years, but this year, God's healed. This week, God healed me, and I've eaten anything I wanted with no problems. I got a note a few weeks ago, there was one service, again, no fanfare, just a nudge. Didn't even lay hands on them as we used to do in the Pentecostal church. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, I'm just saying didn't. Um, But I just said, hey, there's someone here, there's a problem in your left foot, a lot of pain, God wants to heal it. Just a little nudge. I I wasn't thinking that, it just kind of came out of nowhere and I thought, I'll just go with it, why not? I got a note a few weeks ago, hey, on that service, when you called that out, that was for me. I've had pain for 20 years in my left foot and it left immediately and has not returned. Yeah. Now, here's what I'm saying. A lot of times if we want to walk and break through, we don't need, we don't need God to yell at us. We need to be close enough to, to, to have faith in the nudge, in the whisper, just to trust Him and what he's saying, and, and here's kind of the two hinges of faith. In other words, disobedience, selective hearing is disobedience. If I'm going to be obedient, I have to hear everything he says. And so what I see from this, two parts, hearing and doing. Well, on the hearing part, I have to be attentive to hear whatever he says, whenever he says it. And then on the obedience part, I have to be able to, I have to be willing to do what he says when he says it without condition. Because I don't know about you, but, but I'm asking for a friend, you know, feel safe. You know, I had a friend that said one time, you know, when God asks you to do something, is it okay to say, well, I don't have faith to do that, but I could do this? And, and, and just asking for a friend, um, no, um, I don't think so. Because God, when, when he asked Abraham, hey, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, Abraham didn't say, well, you know, I don't think I could do a son, but I can do 15 heifers, three goats, a few lambs, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. Like, like obedience is without condition. You see what I'm saying? Obedience is, is hearing and being attentive and then doing everything God asks you to do, how he, how he asks you to do it, when he asks you to do it. There, there's, not a, there's not a bargaining that takes place. Well, I can't do that, but I could do this. Or better yet, surely no one would ever be guilty of this. But, but saying, well, God, I'll do that when you do this. I'll tithe when you. I'll lead when you I'll go when you I'll talk to them when you or maybe we don't say when, maybe we say if. I'll do this if you. And see obedience is being attentive to listen and hear. And then do everything God's asked you to do. There's a man, Second Kings chapter five tells a story about a man named Naaman. It's a cool story. He's a Syrian commander, pretty influential guy, important. uh, And he has leprosy, pretty bad deal, no cure. A slave girl says, hey, you should go um, to this prophet of Israel named Elisha and have him put his hand on you and pray for you and God will heal you. So Naaman talks to the king, the king talks to Elisha because Elisha's with Israel and this is obviously Syria. And and so, um, so they work it out where Elisha said, okay, send him. And so Naaman loads up, and he takes gold and silver and clothes and goes on a journey to see Elisha, who's going to pray for him and heal him. And when he gets to where Elisha is, Elisha doesn't even come out. Doesn't come out and talk to him. Sends, sends his servant out with a message, with a word, that says, hey, go down to the Jordan and dip seven times. And Naaman's furious. furious. He's like, I've traveled all this way. Does he not know who I am? And he wants me to go get in a dirty river? I have dirty rivers back home. And one of his officers said, you know, if he'd ask you to do something hard or more noble or more noteworthy, you'd be willing to do it. Because he asked you to do this simple thing that's humbling, you're not willing to do it. See, God knows how to disarm our pride. He knows how to deal with what's in the way of our breakthrough." And so finally Naaman goes down. See, he, 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 he goes down to the river and he dips the first time and comes up, nothing changes on his skin. Second time, nothing changes. Third time, it wasn't like it gradually got better. Fourth time, nothing changes. Fifth time, nothing changes. Sixth time, still nothing changed. I preached a message one time called Don't Stop on Six. <laughs> right? It's about Jericho. But anyways, like if you're walking around, you're like, it's not working, just keep doing what God told you to do. Right? The seventh time he goes down, comes up completely cured. See, he almost missed his breakthrough because he wasn't willing to hear and he wasn't willing to do. And he said, you know, if you'd had some different conditions, I might would have done it. Man, this is a silly word. He didn't even come out. See, the breakthrough wasn't in the water. The breakthrough was in the obedience. It takes faith to walk in obedience. And obedience has two parts. Do I listen and do I do? Uh, here's the last thing, and this is really the only thing I wanted to say. All of that was bonus. Obedience unlocks blessing. Obedience unlocks blessing. Um, Genesis 22:17 17, it says, I will certainly bless you. This is after Abraham fully obeyed. He heard, he obeyed. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And then we talked about this, but it's worth noting again. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All this, all because you have obeyed me. Here's what he says Abraham, I swear by my name, swear by who I am. I'm going to do everything I promised. And then he says, your descendants are going to possess the gates of their enemies. And and I just want to talk about this again because it's my favorite thing. But here's what he said. When you walk in complete surrender and you walk in complete obedience, it doesn't just affect you, Abraham, but it affects everyone in your family after you. And because you've done what I've asked you to do, your descendants get to possess the gates, the stronghold of the enemy. So in your family where there's been a stronghold of alcoholism or addiction, now because you You've walked in faith and obedience. Your descendants don't struggle where you struggle. They don't struggle with that. They don't struggle with addiction. They don't struggle with poverty. They don't struggle with sickness. They don't struggle with depression. They don't struggle with suicide. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because you've done what I've asked you to do, I swear by who I am that I will do. When you do what God asked you to do, you can expect that he will do everything he he promised. Obedience unlocks inheritance. Deuteronomy 28 says, if you do everything I've commanded you to do, all of these blessings, not only come upon you, they overtake. Blessings chase you down when you do what God asks you to do. Listen to me. You chase his will, (laughs) his blessings will chase you. You see what I'm saying? Uh, This family in our church... um, Wonderful family, but sent in a a testimony they shared with me this week, um, or a team did, but um, they wanted to step up to tithe giver, and they felt like this is something God had asked them to do, and they just didn't see how they could afford to do it. And so when it was uh, week five, I think, at commitment weekend, they decided, okay, we're going to take this step. And so with a little bit of holding their breath, they put in their commitment card, we're going to do tithe giver, and they put it in the wheelbarrow. The next week, God provided a new job that was enough to pay their commitment with some left over. Obedience unlocks inheritance. Obedience, when you do what God asks you to do, you can expect, not hope, expect. You can bank on it. You can bank on that he will do Everything he promised i want to I want to just share a few of the promises that God has given pathway over the years because I think it's very fitting for a day like today. And, and so I don't have time to give context on all these, but we've, I've received emails. This has been, uh, we use the word prophesied. That means just spoken by God's leading, by God's spirit. Someone said, hey, I heard the Lord. I feel like this is what the Lord said. If the word prophesied freaks you out, somebody did it wrong, okay, because the Holy Spirit still speaks to us. Um, but we've had this one several times that Pathway would have national influence, that God would do something significant, so significant here, it would impact the nation. Several times. Um, Another thing is that we would have the best of everything. And and I think, honestly, quite honestly, we've always had the best of everything we needed. And if we didn't have it, we could buy it. Like God, through the generosity of his kids, through you guys, God has done so much and blessed us that we've always had everything we needed and then some. And usually the best of what we've needed. Some of the things that God has done is just amazing. You you understand? Um, This one I love. He said, The people of Pathway would be known in the city as a blessed people. That there would be such a blessing on our house that people would be able to see it even when you're not in our house. They say, well, that's a pathway person. Okay. Maybe y'all aren't as excited as me, but I'm excited. So you might want to just claim some of these. Like, I'll take that one. <laughs> just like, I'm a pathway person. I'll be known as a blessed person. I'll take that Jesus. Mm-hmm. Put it right here. <laughs> Uh, I was prophesied several times. We'd be one of the most prosperous churches in our region. Now, listen, prosperity is all about purpose. Remember, we want to do a ministry school to to influence and affect the nations. We want to do church planning. We want to raise up pastors and teachers, evangelists. We want to do all that stuff. Psalmist, all that. We want to do it, and so God's got to provide for that. So I, I think that just goes along with with what He's saying. Um, I'll tell you this one funny story. Um, this was back, Julie and I had made the decision, okay, we're going to go with God on this and we're going to try to to launch out in the deep here and plant this church. And uh, Mark and I were, were uh, Pastor Mark, Mark and I were, um, we went to lunch one day at Quiznos when we had a Quiznos. In fact, that one was run by Big Mike, who's Pastor James' uh, brother. Um, when you're Italian, you can have a name like Big Mike. And so, um, and so uh, we were at his Quiznos and we're having a sandwich and um, this guy walks in. Now, this guy, I knew because he's really prophetic, okay? And I knew that because he had prophesied all of our children. And and I don't know if he's real. We kind of have this joke that maybe he's not really real. Maybe he just shows up from time to time. Like, maybe he's one of those old, uh, like, last-day prophets with the olive branch or something like that, because he just kind of shows up. And so, like, like, he prophesied all of our kids, and then, like, Julie and I were at a Christmas party, and we had had Luke, and, and if you know our story, we um, uh, we, we were not able to conceive, and so we mir- miraculously had Luke, and, and then we wanted another baby, so we're asking God, still can't conceive, and, and we're at a, a Christmas party, and we started talking about uh, international adoption, which is something we talked about, because we knew going into it, we wouldn't be able to have children based on what the doctors had said, and so we knew going into it, okay, we're just going to adopt, and so we're at this Christmas party, just hanging out at a Christmas party, and this guy shows up. And he tells us, hey, God's gonna give you the miracle you ask for, but first he's gonna give you another miracle and she's in another country. And in one breath prophesied Mariah and Briggs. He's crazy. (laughs) So we're in Quiznos, this guy walks in, walks over to us and looks at me real weird. And if you're prophetic, that's the only way you know how to look at people, (laughs) it's real weird. He takes all the money out. He opens my hands, pulls all his money out of his wallet and pockets and puts it in my hands. And he says, I'm going to be the first to do this, but not the last. Now, no one knows what we're even talking about doing. I'm going to be the first to do this, not the last. But God will always put the money in your hands for what he's called you to do exceedingly and abundantly above everything he's asked you to do. You'll always have enough. And then he just kind of said, and you'll have the best worship musicians and singers. And then he just walked off, yeah, yeah, got back in line. Then he walked out of the store. I'm like, where's he going? Then I realized, oh, I got his lunch money. <laughs> so I, it was. <laughs> <laughs> when, when we went to do the land dedication, a lot of you were there, some of you couldn't make it. Um, but when we went to the land dedication, I'd spent some time just fasting and praying with the Lord about what he wanted to say or what he wanted me to declare. And I ended up, he gave me a lot of declarations out of Psalm 91 and and I, I don't have time to walk through all of that. But but as I was praying, he began to speak in a very clear way and then I began to see pictures. And this doesn't always this is not like my normal experience with Jesus. Like I wish it was, don't get me wrong. Um but it's not normal. But I started writing all this down in my prayer journal. And so I wanna I just want to read it because I think it's fitting. And then I'll talk about where we're at. It says, this place will be a beacon of hope for, for even the nations. And then I said this, I see a light tower that is beaming brightly so that all who are looking can see and come to it. I even see nations who are able to see it from far away. I see a great people, blessed of the Lord, a delightful people coming out of the land and going into the city, the nation, and the world. I see other lights that are showing up throughout the nation and the world that come from here. And the Lord says, this land is a holy dwelling, a place for me to meet with people, a place for me to deliver and save, to mend and heal, to change and transform. As I met with Moses, so I will meet with my people here face to face. I will raise up from here men, women, children, and families. I will raise up leaders, missionaries, pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and psalmists. They will come into my presence on this place and they will go out with my presence from this place. I'm about to do a work here that will astonish and amaze, and people will say, Longview, what can come from Longview? But I declare that they will actually come to Longview to see what I'm doing. What I'm doing will become a way of ministry that many will emulate, for I say I will break the religious ties that bind and produce for myself a pure work of grace. I will restore the gifts of power back to the people, for they will not rest upon a man, but they will rest upon a body, and I will show myself as healer among them. I'm calling those who are hungry and thirsty and those who seek me. And when they are assemble, I will hear and I will respond. I will lift my hand and answer and the world will see and know that I'm the God who saves. Don't be discouraged for I say this next season, I will move as never before. Don't be weary in well-doing for I say it is due season and the plowman will overtake the reapers for the harvest is great. That's a good word. Yes. we could thank God for that word. <laughs> I've had my prayer journal. I, I read these promises. When you're discouraged, the best thing you can do is review testimony and read promises. And so I keep those things kind of at the ready because we all have... Mama said there'd be days like that. And so um, I want to share with you where, you're, where we're at, and I want to give you some context. What we're trying to do is miraculous. I mean, it, it, it would only be miraculous. It could only be done by a miracle. For an eight-year-old church um, to, to take on a $10 million project and do it all cash... Um, is substantial. I mean, that's big. Um, I can tell you where we're at is farther than what I thought we would be. Um, And so I try not to think because usually my thinking is not as big as God's grace. Um, But I also want to contextualize, I'm going to share the numbers that I have. I only have, uh, at this point, only 46% of our giving families have turned in commitment cards. So the numbers I'm giving you are not quite half of where our church is. Does that make sense? So I want to report where we're at because I said I was going to. And where we're at's a good place. Like, it's pretty exciting. But I also want you to have the context that this is only with 40% of our giving, like people who are actively giving, like these are not hypothetical numbers. I asked our stewardship team. They went to work on it to tell us where we're really at. So to know where we're really at, you need to know this is 46% of our current giving families This is where we're at, okay? Because it's a good place. So remember, we said priority number one was we wanted everyone to get involved, right? Wanted everyone to get involved, walk through the process of discipleship, highest priority. And then we gave you the giving ladder and we challenged you. Where are you at on the giving ladder? Where does God want you to be? And we asked you to take a step up based on how God was leading you. And we said, this is priority number one. If we do this, we'll let the numbers worry about themselves, right? Let the that that'll worry about itself. But but here's here's the numbers of where we're at now. Check this out. This is so cool. So I only have 173 commitments, right? So I'm going to give you the numbers of 173. There's 197 families that are still working on their commitments. We're praying for you. We love you. And and if you can get those to us. But for the 173 families that that are currently uh, that we have um, on extravagant givers. All right, this is as high as you can go. This is above your tithe. Out of 173 families, 109 of them stepped up to be extravagant givers. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, on tithe giver, giving 10% of your income an increase, right? Tithe giver, 42 families stepped up to be tithe givers. That's, I think that's incredible too. Then consistent givers. These are people that are now going to make consistent give. By the way, time out. Um, out of this 173, 29 families who are new to our church are now giving and filled in commitment cards who have never given before. Right, 29 families who are new and who have never given put in commitment cards. And, and some of them, uh, from what stewardship said, they said, they're making huge jumps. So praise God for them. But on, on, on consistent givers, 16 families stepped up to be consistent givers. Let's, hey, we celebrate that. Now, this next number is the smallest number, but it's one of the biggest steps because it represents people who started giving for the first time. They've never given before, and they said, hey, we we are emerging givers. We've never given, but we're going to start giving. And six families stepped up to be emerging givers. Right? Right? Now, there's just one, one more left, potential givers. Because I, remember, I said, I, if you, even if you're just saying, I'm just going to stay at potential giver, meaning I could give, I'm praying about it, but I'm not ready to make a commitment, I'm not going to give, whatever. Just remember, it was 100% participation. I had one family say, we're potential givers. I love it. I love it because they said, we prayed about it, we're praying about it, here's our card, we're going to participate. I love it. Now, now, right here, on this little thing here, I have the number, a dollar amount of where we're at. Now, this is obviously smaller than those screens, right? And the reason is because those numbers are more significant than this number. That represents changed lives, testimonies, faith, obedience, the goodness of God seen in the land of the living. That's what those numbers represent, right? This number is just what it tallies up to, but that is what's significant. So by design, this is a smaller board or you got it, right? Yes. But with, with 46% of our families, with commitment cards in, we currently stand at 4500000 million, $33,791.86. <laughs> I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing. Our people have stepped out. You have stepped out like never before. You are trusting God like never before. I can't wait to see what God does. God is good. Like, I am blown away. Are you blown away? That's amazing. That is amazing. Um, Now, here's the fun part. Here's the fun part. When the other half of our church joins us, we could be close to a cash deal, that's crazy man that's like nuts you see what I'm saying I mean just think about this like when our other half of our family joins us and so if if you haven't got your commitment card in a lot of people brought them today so we'll retally and everything but but and let me just answer a few questions because I've gotten some questions I think it's it's gotten a little complicated because of where people come from remember this is pathway we're not conventional we're not like anywhere you've been right? Because we've had people like, are they going to invoice me? No, we don't invoice people. Huh. Well, I can't make a vow before the Lord. We're not asking you to ruin your faith. We're just asking you to simply meet with God and say, I'm already giving. What am I going to be able to give? What is God going to enable me to give? What does God want me to give? It, it's, it, and, and someone said, well, what if I put down this amount and I fall short? We're not going to come repo your car to get the balance, Okay. <laughs> Let, let me tell you the only reason we need you to fill this out. Number one, you have to meet with God, and that's discipleship. And number two, then we know what, how fast and what we can do moving toward the new facilities and what God wants to do. See, right now, it's, we, don't have a lot, we don't have enough information to do a whole lot, right? It's amazing the information we have, and the fact that we could be very close to a cash deal is even more crazy but we still need all of our church to respond. We still need everybody to get involved. And I know a lot of you are praying about it and you're just trying to find God's will. That's fine, we're praying. So here's what I'm gonna do for you. Today was gonna to be Big Give Sunday, all right? And, and it still can. If you brought your Big Give check and you're ready to give, you can give or you can give online. Um, and I can tell you, our people are already, they're already fulfilling on their commitments because uh, the stewardship team told me the other day, our, our giving is up 100% this month. Like, we, we, like, as far as giving, we, we, we met budget in two weeks. And so I know you're already faithful giving those that make commitments. And even those who have made commitments are faithfully giving. I'm just asking everybody to get your commitments in so that we can make the decisions we need to make. Because we're ready to move forward. Like, I'm ready to drive the bulldozer myself. Like, if they will give me a hard hat and a bulldozer with some diesel, I will tear something up. You understand what I'm saying? I'm good at breaking it right? And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to put big give in three weeks. That's June 9th and 10th, big give weekend. And we're going to ask the rest of our church family, everybody, as you're making your commitments, get those into us before um, June 9th and 10th. And so on June 9th and 10th, I'll be able to give you another update and tell you what we're about to do. Does that make sense? And and I'm excited because we're about to, Tear something up, right? <laughs> tear it up or die trying, one of the two, right? We're going to take over the world together. Um, and I can't wait to see what God does in and through us. Pathway, I'm so amazed and blown away by you. And, and you know, and I know some people, well, $9 million is still not cash. But, guys, this is a two-year process. We're going to grow. People are going to join us. People are going to be making our eyes commitments for the next 24 months as they're joining the church. We'll keep sharing the vision, right? So I think we're going to get there, right? We don't feel released to go sign a note, but we still feel like God's going to do it. I'm just ready to get on it. Are you ready to get on? We, listen, we've been working the whole time. We had our geo samples done. We just signed off on the civil design. So the civil design is $35,000, but that's where they design where the road's going to go, where the creek's going to go, um, where the parking lots are going to be, where the foundation is going to be, where the utilities end up. They, they're designing all that. And uh, we've got a construction contract, Uh, out for review uh, with the attorney when when he signs off and says we're good to sign it. if the elders are good about that, we're going to go ahead and sign that and we'll go ahead and get all the way to blueprinting. We're ready to go. It's just right now the church tells us how fast we can go. Does that make sense? And so we want to go fast. Like I'm like Ricky Bobby, mama, I'm going fast, right? And so we want to go fast. Um, so man, get, get in and join us. And then those of you who are already doing it, man, thank you for being faithful. We're let's go, let's go. So in three weeks, big give. And between now and then, if everybody else, you can get your commitment cards in, that'd be awesome. Uh, And just know this, it's, it's not a vow. We're not going to invoice you. Oh, this is another question. No, if you sign a commitment card, that doesn't mean we can draft it out of your account. If it's a real question, it's a real question. No, this, this just tells, all this does is you're saying, by faith, I met with God and we feel like this is what we're gonna give over the next two years so that number one, we can trust and walk in obedience, surrender, and faith. And number two, you guys can decide from an eldership team perspective how fast we can get this done. That's all it is, right? All right, thank you so much. Listen, so I asked God how to close this service. So do you have time for this? Come on with it. That's what I'm talking about. So this week, I heard this song that we sung called Waymaker. Do y'all like this song? Yes. Um, and, and it so just hit my spirit that, that I called the worship team or emailed them on. It's like, hey, can we do this this weekend? And they're like, holy cow. And then they said yes, because they're awesome. Um, and so I was praying to God. I'm like, God, you know, I don't know how to end this service. You know, like at four and a half million, that's phew, that's amazing, especially just 40% of our church our givers involved. Um, that's, that's incredible. Uh, but it isn't, you know, nine or 10 million. And, and God, I feel like you're working and you're doing something in our midst. How do I end the service? And here's what God said. I want you to worship like it's already done. And so I said, well, I know how to worship. So I asked the worship team to come back. I want you to stand up.